I didn't realize till I turned on the TV this morning on the news that this is the hundredth anniversary. A hundredth anniversary, November 11th of the the day that uh, ended World War One. Am I saying that right? That's the that was when Veterans Day was. Um, it was called something else. I can't remember now. But Armistice Day. Thank you. Um, yeah. So 100th anniversary. So I got to watch all these world leaders stand up. They put on a whole ceremony and everything. It was, it, it was breathtaking. Um, 100th year. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 4. Dominic, could you hit start on that? Thank you. These men and women served, some gave their life so that we could stand free. The disciples took up their call to service from Jesus himself, knowing that it would mean persecution, prison, torture, and yes, even death. As these disciples, like the brave men and women we honor today, fought for one thing, your freedom. Galatians 5.1 says it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Uncompromising, unrelenting, invincible freedom. For this Christ died, for this Christ rose, for this he sent his spirit. There is nothing he wills with more intensity under the glory of his own name than this. Your freedom. In Luke chapter 4, we pick up the account of Jesus, he had just been water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, it said, led him into the wilderness, tempted. He leaves there, and then we pick it up, chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Just a side note, even Jesus went to church every Sunday. Just saying. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach or proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release, set free the oppressed, the captive and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. To what? We're called to freedom. Appointed to go for freedom, anointed to set prisoners free, release the captives, 
set them free. Can you see yourself in these verses? Jesus said, as the Father sent me, this is why the Father sent him. He now sends you. He now sends me. Read it this way. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. Because he has anointed you to preach or proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release or set free the oppressed, the captives. He has sent you to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are carriers of freedom. A couple things that stand out to me in this passage. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because. Because. He doesn't go on to say because I just needed him and it makes me feel good and I get goosebumps when I'm thinking about the spirit. Because. He's on me because of you. He's on me for others. The rest of these verses are all about others. The Holy Spirit is on you, on me, for others. What you get out of it is a byproduct of that. You know, you just... It's like, I know you'll never want me to bake a cake for you again, but that's okay. I don't want to bake any cakes for you. It's like the blessing that the baker gets when they're frosting it. And they go, huh? Yeah. They get a little on their thumb. Oh, yeah. It's a byproduct. The cake's not mine. The frosting's not mine. It's for somebody else, but I get a little taste now and then. I get to lick the spoon, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, after it's all done. I don't like lick your cake. I don't do that. And that's, Here you go. I don't do that. Or maybe I do. No. The Holy Spirit. And you know, next week, the Lord willing and the creeks don't rise, as my grandma always used to say. Next week, I'm going to really get into the Holy Spirit. Uh, right here upon us all the time. But not for us. <laughs> you know, if, if everything the Father gave us was only for us, like I've said before, we'd be fat little spoiled children. Running around, mine, 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 right? Oh, mine, 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 mine. No, it's always for others. When we get to lick the spoon, it's a byproduct. When we get touched, it's a byproduct. I mean, you ever pray for somebody and all of a sudden it feels like you just had lightning shoot through your body? Byproduct. You just got a little taste of the frosting <laughs> when you are frosting somebody else's cake. But it's for others. The Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because for others to go for the power, the commission to be fulfilled it can't be done through your power. You have no power apart from the Holy Spirit. You can do nothing. Right? But with me, the scripture says, you can do all things. Nothing is
is impossible. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because you have been commissioned to go. He's not going to commission you to go do something he hasn't already enabled you to do. The enablement is the power of the Holy Spirit. And next week, that's what we're really going to get into, is that too often you'll see we're trying to do things on our own power and we're leaving the Holy Spirit apart. And we wonder, why are we getting tired? Why are we getting burned out? Why do I get frustrated? Why don't I ever see anything happen? Because he said, hey, oh, you know, you forgot me. <laughs> you want me to do this stuff for you? Or you just want to keep doing it yourself. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because... The next thing he says, he has anointed, has, past tense. He has anointed me. Before the foundations of the world, before one breath was even taken by, he said he already prepared all these plans, all these purposes for you. Right? And he wouldn't call you again to do something that he wouldn't enable you to do. He anointed. He has already anointed you. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom. Why? So you can do what you want to do? No! It says not, not so that you can use your freedom as an opportunity to just be selfish. But through love, you can serve one another. That's why you're called to freedom. Again, it's for others. We are. We are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation, sons of the Most High, Christ's ambassadors. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go. Heal the sick. Cast out the demons, raise the dead. And then he said, and don't worry, I'll be with you only some of the time. No, always. Why? Just like it says in John 16, because the Holy Spirit is the backer of. You can go ahead and write the check. God, your word says that this person can be healed. I'm going to pray hands, play, pray hands on them. Lay hands on them, pray for their healing, like I did with Karina. It was nothing, it had nothing to do with me, it had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with God backing His Word. He's already anointed, He's already commissioned, He's already set apart, He already has plans, He's already anointed you. And you know what? That an anointing should be as evident on your life all the time as in the Old Testament when they used to take the bottle of oil and pour it over the anointed one's head. You know, they didn't get to then step into the shower, wash it all off, and then go out and go to work. They walked around like that, dripping with oil. It says in, in the Psalms, down Aaron's beard. Dripping down his clothes, his garments, his royal garments, it said. That's how evident the anointing of God should be on your life to others around you. I like the scripture that says that we are the fragrance of heaven. To some it's pleasing. 
Mm, there's just heaven about you. To others, it's the stench of death. Because they smell eternity's reality. And that's how evident the anointing should be on your life. Not that you walk around. Mm, oh, but it's just there. Why? Because you're something special? Uh, no. Because that person's up? No. It's all him, not you. All him. But he has anointed me already, past tense. You're anointed, you're anointed, you're anointed. You get a car, you get a car. No, I'm stop it. I'm just kidding. No God. Anointing. For what? Again, for what? Here it is. Let's, he goes on to tell you to proclaim. And then he's going to tell you what things he wants you to proclaim. The word proclaim means to declare, to decree, to announce, to make so. And the power, the, the power of life and death are in your mouth, the Bible says. God put, God put the power of life and death in your mouth. And now he's going to tell you what to proclaim. Why? Because out of your mouth, you decree, you make so what you say. And, you know, I pushed it back to January. Um, I'll do that series on be careful going to talk about be careful little eyes what you see be careful little mouth what you see. you know and one thing we're going to focus on is you be very careful what you say because the words coming out of your mouth are decreeing making so what you speak so if you're speaking fear anxiety negative doubt guess what's going to be produced in your life if you're saying that over somebody else, guess what's going to be produced in their life? You're like, well, I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, no, you're either saying what God's saying or you're saying what the enemy is saying. And see, I always use the enemy on this finger because that's my crooked finger. Cricket little guy. He's cricket little guy. You know, I used to pull a rubber. You know how you can put a rubber band like this and shoot it? If I needed to get somebody that way, I'd shoot with this finger. Boom. Anyway, sorry. See, I can be distracted by my own finger, Amy. Anyway, where was I going? <laughs> to proclaim. Yeah, so that's what we're going to get into is you be very careful because what you proclaim, you're either saying what God says or you're saying what the enemy says. Now you're all looking at my finger. I'm going to stop. Proclaim, announce, decree, make it so. That's why God told God. That's why Jesus told them that you speak to the mountain. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain. That's why he got after the disciples when he got in the boat with them and went down, laid down, started snoring, sleeping, right? The storm came up. They're all like, Jesus, don't you care about us? He got up. He's like, peace, storm. Then he looked at them. He rebuked them. What are you doing waking me up to speak to the storm for you? Did you forget what we just did? The multitudes were fed. The multiplication happened in your hand. Not in Jesus' hand. It's like I put the power in you to speak to the storm. Why are you waking me up? 
I know I'm going to be rude. I'm still learning this, and I know all of us are still learning this. You ever pray for somebody, and it sounds like you're telling God to heal them? Can you just see God saying, I told you to heal them, right? I catch myself starting to pray for them. Lord, I just ask that you, and I went, wait a minute, he's already told me to. Okay, strike that. Let's start again. Rewind. God, I know you told me to. He put the power of life and death in your tongue to go proclaim, speak life, or you're speaking death. So now he goes into what he wants you to proclaim, to declare, to make so. He says, good news, proclaim good news to the poor. He's talking about both poor in this world and poor in eternity. Because God is a two-sided God, not two-faced God. A two-sided. He's always, he always concerns himself with both your eternal and your earthly uh, well-being. So when he talks about... Uh, Proclaim good news to the poor. He's talking about both poor on the earth and poor in eternity or uh, not rich in eternity, not saved yet. That's easy to proclaim good news to the poor as far as eternity is concerned. It's like Jason gave testimony or Pastor Neil gave testimony. You say, hey, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Make heaven eternal, you know, or, or if you say no, there's only one other place, <laughs> you know, there's not five or six other places you get to choose. Is there another one with a little bit warmer temperature, but not so hot, you know, something with more, you know, those little flower necklaces, things and a little, you know. But not that hot, you know, down by the equipment. No, it's heaven or hell. And, you know, the Bible says that even those that think that they have not chosen, have chosen. You're either with me or you're against me. It's one or the other. And you're like, well, I'm going to wait. Then you've already chosen. I used to say this all the time. I'm so ignorant. You know, I'm sorry. It's, yeah, anyway. I used to say, well, when I get older, like in my 30s, and I've done had all my fun, gotten married by then, then I'll start going back to church, right? Oh, Lord, help us. I had already made a choice. If I would have died at any time, I had already made a choice. I don't know why we think that we get some big pause button. Pause right here. Let me do what I want to do. And then I'll pick it up again. Now I'll choose you, God. There, it's either one or the other. But he's saying poor in eternity and poor on the earth. So how do you proclaim good news to the poor on the earth? Can you go up to somebody and say, I, I, I slept under an apartment. I know what it's like. Cold. I mean, stinking cold. And you get under the bench because then you don't have the cold air coming up from the bottom of the bench. You're like, why is she sleeping under the bench? You, you know, once you've been there. For somebody to come up to me 
dark, cold, hungry, and say, I have good news for you. Do you think eternity would be on my mind right then? Uh, no. You got a blanket? Oh, better yet, you got an apartment? Better yet, you got some food and a blanket and an apartment? I'll take all of them. That's good news. So you to proclaim good news to the poor on this earth, you better have something in your hand. Come on. Jesus said, don't just, if you see somebody in need, don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. If you've got something in your hand, you better be sharing it. That's good news to somebody. So you want to go proclaim good news to someone on the street or in, I guess there are not park benches here. I see a lot of people in the woods in the cold. Carry a basket of food, a blanket, or get them in your vehicle. Take them home or take them to the Goodwill shelter. And then while you're feeding them, getting them warm and having a place for them to stay, then you can proclaim, you know, would you also like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because you've got purposes and plans for your life way beyond this scarcity and lack and poverty. And, you know, there's so much more God has for you. He's a good, good father. See, proclaiming good news to the poor. He goes on to say, proclaim again. What's it? What is it? What's the words? Come on, proclaim is what? Announce, decree, make so, proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Prisoners are in prison because of their choices. Right? Bad things they've done. Right? That's why they're in prison. He doesn't say, go proclaim freedom to the prisoners who have served their time. And they're ready to get out. What do they need freedom for then? He's saying proclaim freedom while they're still in prison. For their choices. Oh, well, they need to pay. I didn't read that anywhere. See, our commission is to proclaim freedom. It is for freedom that you've been set free. Freely you've received, freely give. Well, to who? Well, not to the child molester, right? It doesn't go into a list of who then qualifies for freedom from prison. It says everyone. Well, there needs to be justice in this world. Yeah, and there's a righteous God who will sort that out. And it's not you. It's not me. He doesn't say judge all those that are in prison. Figure out which ones deserve freedom and only speak to those ones. No. He says declare, decree, proclaim, make so freedom for all prisoners. And let him sort out the rest. Boy, that just kind of lets a whole burden roll off your shoulders, don't it? Because just like healing is not dependent upon the, the healee, right? Is that what it would be? The one asking for 
Right? They might not even be asking for it. Jesus said, go heal all. Right? Heal all. What? Well, what if they're a sinner? Oh, he didn't say only heal those that are good Christians. He said heal all. Forgive all. He said forgive as I have forgiven you. <gasps> was for freedom. It was for your enablement, your power to enable freedom in other people's lives that you have been set free yourself. So prisoners, even though it was their fault, and they might be right in the middle of it, to receive freedom, do you know, could you, I've walked up to people that are drunker than a skunk on the streets before and be directed to them, go, go preach my word to them. Go tell them I love you. I, I love them. Go, you know, go say this word to them or that word to them. And one, I was praying because I like talking to went to pray for him. I had to step to the side because I'm like, I'm getting a contact buzz just off your breath here, you know, and start praying for him. Why? Did they deserve it? No. Do you deserve it? Can I possibly earn God's love? Could I possibly earn God's forgiveness? Do I deserve to be healed? But why do I put that as a stipulation for other people? You know, the whole um, proclaiming good news to the poor. When you see the person holding the sign. And you want to drive right by because you know you're drunk. And if I give you money, you're just going to go get more alcohol. You've judged them. And you've withheld the good news that God told you to proclaim to them. And it might be $5. Actually, Brian always picks on me. You know the only reason you put money in my wallet is so you can take it back out later. Because you, I'm usually the one that's always he's standing back there going, preach it, preach it. Because I'm usually the one driving, not that I have. Uh, never mind. Anyway. And when I see those people, I'm like, give me cash. Give me cash. Who's got cash in the vehicle? Give me cash. And just give it to them. God loves you. God loves you. And just give it to them. Well, what if they go and buy some alcohol? Oh, well, God will sort it out. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Proclaiming freedom to the prisoners. Proclaiming good news to the poor. Proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. Think about that. Recovery of sight. Recovery of sight means that they lost it somewhere. Recovery of sight, or it was stolen from them. Go proclaim, go decree, go make it so that they will have sight again. Again, blind in this world, both, and blind spiritually. Both. Both. He wants us sozoed, healed completely, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Completely. He's always talking about the whole being. Recovery of sight. Spiritually blind. Could be those who just don't know. There are actually people still in our county that don't know who Jesus Christ is. 
We have 85% unchurched in Benzie County alone. 85% unchurched. There are blind, spiritually blind people who just don't know. There's also those who should know. <laughs> like the leaders, like Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus, just like, wait a minute. Aren't you a teacher of the law and you don't know this? Spiritually blind. And then there's also those who set in services for years and years and years and it just becomes familiar and they become blind to who or what is right in front of them. I mean, where we picked up in verse 16, it says, now Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And then I stopped short. It goes on to say in Luke in verse 20, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them today, this scripture is fulfilled. In your hearing. They all spoke well of him. Were amazed at his gracious words. That came from his lips. Until somebody went. Wait a minute. That's Joseph's son. I used to play football with him. Do you, can you believe what I was just thinking? He can't be the prophet we've been waiting for. He can't be the fulfillment of Isaiah. That's Jesus. I know him. That's the faith-busting foe of familiarity. Eh, I know that scripture. Eh, I know that scripture. Read that before. Right? Last night I was laying in bed. I love hearing the Psalms read to me especially as I'm going to bed. But I am adamant about keeping his word alive in, in me because every word is breathed of the Holy Spirit and is piercing, active, living, right? So it would read a word, pause. Oh, just soak in that one word. Read, pause. Soak in that one word. Read, pause, soak in that. Can I quote it? Yeah, I can quote it. But what I really want to do is soak in it. Because I don't want this faith-busting foe of familiarity to where I become spiritually blind. Well, hey, well, we had to do 35 minutes worship. Then we do five minutes of Pastor Neil and doing announcements. And then somebody does this other announcement. And then the pastor gets up there and flaps her lips for a while. And then we do an altar time. And I just yawn and think about what's for lunch. And then we get out of here. Spiritually blind. Why? Because of familiarity. He said, go and proclaim recovery of sight you can see again you can have that first love again you can have that unwrapping christmas present 
day experience every day with God. If you keep his uh, word fresh before your eyes. Proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. He says to set or release. Some versions say set the oppressed free. Some versions say uh, release the captives. You notice it didn't say proclaim. We proclaim prisoners free. Proclaim freedom to the prisoners. But we set free or we release captives or oppressed. If prisoners are in because of their choices, captives are held captive because of somebody else's choice. They've been taken captive. Well, then shouldn't they be released the same time that the prisoners are released? Yeah, they should be. In the proclamation of freedom, all the prison doors fling open, captives and prisoners alike. Prisoners, if they're smart, run out, right? They're like, I'm out of here. Captives tend to hold themselves captive after the prison door has been opened. Guilt, shame of what's happened, condemnation, you probably deserved it. Yeah. So the prison door is wide open, but they're still setting captive. The word set free or release is action oriented. You have a responsibility to go into that cell and take that individual by the hand and say, I'm with you. We're getting out of here and walk them out. That's a setting free. That's a releasing I was ministering to a lady at the altar first service who was too embarrassed to even raise her hand at the end. I knew it. I mean, it was like flashlight being put on her. I knew that she was supposed to come up to the altar, and she didn't, but she did at the end. Um, and I told her, I, I'm there. I know. There's nobody better to walk somebody else out of captivity than someone who's experienced it themselves. And so I got to stand there and just minister to her for, you know, five, five, ten minutes about, I understand. There's no sympathy here. There's empathy. I not only am sorry about what you went through, I felt and I know what you went through. And so I know what it is to be free and you can have that freedom. That's the set free. That's release to the captive. And then he closes by saying, and proclaiming, listen to this, declaring, making it so the year of the Lord's favor. You carry the power to release the Lord's favor. And not just a, a second of his favor. A year. And actually, it, it because it's a Perpetual year that never ends. It's a, of years. Until he calls it 
time over. It's that perpetual year of the Lord's favor until he says, time's up. You hold the power to do that. You've been given the power to release the Lord's favor. Now, you notice it doesn't say release the Lord's judgment on people. Release the Lord's favor on only those deserving of my favor. Again, just like healing. Again, just like freedom. Here it is. Favor. For you to withhold the Lord's favor on somebody because you don't think that they deserve it, it was never yours to hold. It's his. You can't say who's deserving of the Lord's healing or who's deserving of freedom or who's deserving of the Lord's freedom. Otherwise, you've set yourself up as judge, jury, and executioner. And I think there's a trinity out there that has all those positions covered. And it's not you or me. Our job is to carry the freedom. Carry his favor. That one gets me. To carry his favor for others. Freedom for others. I know you're all breathing out there. I see your heads moving, but... I mean, we need to pump something in here, like fresh oxygen or something. Keep these people breathing. When the proclamation was made over the birth of Jesus, it says, goodwill to all men. All. And I'll tell you, I mean, I was just out with my aunt and my mom and dad. And it's easy to get wrapped up into all the atrocities, I mean, uh, horrible, horrible things that are happening in the world today and, and feel this, they need to pay, right? Come up over you. But whose job is it? Is that your commission to make them pay? I mean, when Christ died for you, when Christ died for me, it says I was yet still a sinner. Did I deserve that? No. Do they deserve it? No. But what are we commissioned to do? Freedom, mercy, grace, love, favor, Lord. On who? On all. And God will sort it out. My goodness, I was a rotten, rotten, rotten person. I am so glad that the people that was preaching to me to get me to come back to the Lord New God's goodness leads to repentance, not God's judgment. For you to judge somebody into heaven is just, well, it just won't happen. And for you to wag your finger at somebody and tell them everything they're doing wrong, like they didn't know it, is not going to get them to bow their knee before God. And if they do, they won't stay. You're condemning, judgmental, you know, you deserve hell. Yeah, you should hear it echoed back in your own ears. So did you. Right? Goodwill to all men. Goodwill to all men. 
Freedom is not to just be remembered as a historic event, but a commission to go. Freedom. Every time you hear that word, it should be a bugle call to your spirit that says, that's right, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Proclaiming, declaring, making it so. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom to all. Goodwill to all. God's favor to all. Listen, again, let me say it this way. Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amy, you want to come on up? Brenda, translation. It was for the power to proclaim freedom to others that Christ set you free. No other reason. Well, your salvation, again, I mean, if you want me to be really honest, is a byproduct. Because if it was all about just your salvation and you making it to heaven, then the minute you gave your life to the Lord, snap, you'd be gone and in heaven. It was for freedom, for the power to proclaim freedom in other people's lives that Christ set you free. He sets you free, anointed you already, commissioned you, commanded you, now go and proclaim freedom to others. It was for their freedom that Christ set you free. The Spirit of the Lord is on you because he has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind. You are to set the oppressed, the captives free, and you are to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You are carriers of freedom. Would you just stand where you're at? I want us to just, even for a few minutes, feel the weight of responsibility of whether others go to heaven or hell. We carry. We carry that. Whether the prisoners are released, are set free. Whether the captives are set free. Whether the blind are, are receive their sight. It, it's on us. Can you see that? Romans 10, 14 says... How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not yet heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching, proclaiming to them? 85% unchurched 
and Benzie County and who's responsible for that. Me. You. Me. See, stop blaming someone else for the evil in the world. Stop pointing your finger at someone else to go. Stop focusing just on yourself, your pain, your problem. Well, if I can get this, well, I'll go when I... When there is still a world out there that's dying and going to hell, they're waiting for you. Jesus said, I told you to go. He's already been there, done that. And then he goes, tag. You're it. Hey, I'll be with you everywhere you go. I'll sign every check that you write in my name. You speak what I've spoken. And I'm there and I'll back it. But you have to go. You have to do it. Wherever you're at, proclaim, decree, make it so. Freedom, favor, healing. we just need to take a few minutes and just like Jason was saying you know we just need to ask for forgiveness God I'm sorry I mean it's okay to ask him you know 10 20 times a day if you have to God I'm sorry that was just selfish God, I was just I just ran in and out of the I've done this one I've just run in and out of the grocery store and never once looked at anybody else God forgive me and I'll sit there in my vehicle and just cry. I just missed it. I know there was people in there that needed you. 85% unchurched in Benzie County. I know I just missed it. God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me and don't let me. Holy Spirit, arrest me. Arrest me to the fact that, that I'm right in front of wherever I'm at. Somebody that needs to hear you. And don't let me miss another opportunity. Let's just spend some time right now and just ask God, forgive me for going, for not proclaiming, for judging who deserves healing, who deserves freedom, who deserves your favor when that's not mine to do. 